As I just mentioned, we are starting a series over the next five weeks where we are really having a look at this call of our Savior, the call of Jesus into a life of being sent. And so we're going to take the entire month of July. Um, and so we're excited. We've moved things around. We've changed ways that we were going to be uh, doing church, moved some programs around to have five uninterrupted weeks to look at this idea. And we really, we're calling this series Bless. Uh, and the byline of it is Habits for Living Sent. Bless. Habits for Living Sense, uh, Living Sent. If you've been with us over the last uh, couple months, really since the beginning of this year, you may have been around while uh, God has begun to do something so particular, so deep, so real in us as a church. We began the year and there was such a, a tangible sense of God's presence as He began to stir something up in our spirit. But here's the thing about the way that God works. He's not in the business of just giving us goosebump moments for the entertainment of the church on the inside. He's in the business of fueling us up so that we can be ambassadors on the outside. And as Pastor Wayne, uh, my dad said, as we were beginning to walk into this particular season, he said, really, this season will be marked by uh, prayer going in and mission coming out. Prayer going in and mission going out. Because how many people know that we are on mission? That text that we just read, we are on mission. Mission. Mission is one of those words that we love to use but have no idea what it means. Have you noticed that? It's like, I'm on mission. I, like we, love, we love to use this word in church nonstop. I'm going on a missions trip. I'm on mission. Got missionaries. Mission impossible. Secret mission. Missions everywhere. The other day I was sitting down uh, in our front room having a coffee. And the boys came down. I got three boys, Dallas, Ezra, and Grayson. And uh, they all came down because they're this little gang. They're a pack of wolves. They just they go together everywhere, and uh, uh, they're like lemmings, um, <laughs> ants. Sometimes they just like lick my finger and draw a line between them just to see what's going to happen, <laughs> see if they get lost. Uh, but like ants, they just find the sugar. Um, but but you know they they I was sitting down just having a quiet moment, and they all kind of just came in, and they're like, Dad, 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 Dad. Dad, and finally, you know, I stopped scrolling. I looked up. I was present. I'm like, what? I'm like, Dad, we're on a mission. We're on a mission. I was like, cool. Like, Join us. We're going on a mission. It's like, okay. I didn't know. Where are we going? Doesn't matter. We're on a mission. What are we doing? Dad, we're on a mission. It's like, okay. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm going to be honest, I'm excited because a mission sounds fun. mission sounds exciting. It's exhilarating. A mission. We're going on a mission. But just a few questions. What are we doing? Where are we going? What was the vetting process for the mission? On whose authority are you going on this mission for? What are the wins of the mission? And can it happen after I finish the coffee? But if we're honest, sometimes when it comes, it's like, you know, we can turn up to church and we sit down in the pew and then a guy in kind of oversized suit just kind of walks up on stage, kicks down the door of your life and is like, guys, guess what? What are you doing? It's like, I'm just going to church. Forget all of that. We're on mission. 
cool. What? Forget everything that you thought that you were doing. We're on a mission. And it just is so interrupting. I was just, I'm, I came to church to just kind of come to church. And now there's this guy up front being like, hey, we're on mission. We have no idea what it's about. It was kind of inconvenient because I'm planning to go get lunch after this. Can I still go and do that? And if you've been around for church for any length of time, it's like we have these moments and we talk about we're going on a mission. We're on, we're on mission. We, like, we get pumped about it. It's like, I'm, I'm going to go do the mission. They have, still have no idea what it is. Pumped to be here. Then we forget about talking about it for the next you know, 12 months until it's like, oh, we should probably talk about mission again. And then we was like, oh, it's time to go on mission again. And last time we talked about mission, you got to be honest, you got busy, got a bit excited, got pumped for it. And then we didn't do anything. You realize your life didn't really change in between the time that we last talked about mission and the time that we're going to talk about mission now. So really, what is this mission all about? So that's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk about mission. Fantastic. If you didn't see that as a setup, it's good to be here. Let me finish my coffee, right? But before we, uh, before really what I want to do this morning is before we jump into, we, we're going to talk about how we can live sent, how we can be on mission, what it looks like for us to be part of what God is doing in the earth. What I want to do is lay up for us all a theological foundation, a theological understanding of what is the mission of God. And uh, if you're new, maybe you're a non-Christian, I'm so glad that you're here this morning because really what I hope is going to happen over the next couple of minutes is you're going to begin to understand what it is, what's the big story of Christianity. What is it that we really believe that God is all about? What is He doing in the world? And if you are a Christian and you didn't know this, what I hope you're going to be able to see is not just a few things for you to pick up and begin to throw into your life to make you busier because we're on mission, but actually see it as an invitation to be part of what God is ultimately doing in the earth. And if you do know what all of this is about, you can tell everyone that you already knew after the service. And it's going to be great. People just amazing. So here's the question. What is, what is the mission of God? And like I said, I, I want to do this because... Rather than just roll out, hey, here are five habits for living sent. What I want to do is root this, ground this in the mission of God. Give us an understanding because our God is a missional God. And until we can actually understand that, it's, it, it, mission and, and the way that we talk about mission, sometimes it can feel like it's not grounded in, in anything. It's just the busy work of a church that's wanting to grow. But this morning, I want to ask this question. What is... The mission of God. Because God has a mission. A mission, in, in broad strokes, is a targeted, purposed activity in the world. God has a mission. God has specific action that He is taking in the world. And so, what is that? What is that mission of God? Uh, just so that I sound really clever, uh, throw some Latin in there. This comes from this idea of Missio Dei, the mission of God. But to translate that a little better, the Missio Dei, the mission of God, better translated, we just read it in John 20, 21, is actually the sending of God. The mission of God is simply just the sending 
of God. Because we have a God who is a sending God. It's part and parcel of who he is. It is the character of God to send into the world. He is the God who sends. We see this in the beginning of creation. He sends into the world his word, his wisdom, his knowledge, his creation, his beauty. He sends into the world to do what? To what end? What is the mission of God? It is simply this, to fill the earth with his glory by making himself known. This is the mission of God, to fill the earth with his glory by making himself known. That feels pretty egotistical until you stop and you realize, Jesus even said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will soon cry out. Why is that? God is so worthy, so good, so beautiful, so majestic, that even without our words, without our actions, all of creation will radiate and mirror the glory and the splendor of who God is, because that is our God. He is so, we were just singing it, He is so worthy of all praise because of who He is. So what God wants to do is He wants to fill the earth with the knowledge of Him in such a way that it radiates and shows His glory around the world. And so what I want to do is just kind of step through what it is what and how has this mission played itself out. And again, if you already know this, fantastic, join me on this magical uh, tour uh, as we go on mission possible. Uh, this is what it, this is how it starts. Really, God begins with creation. This is how the whole book starts. It's how our story begins. It begins with creation. Again, we are starting with God and His glory. This is who God is. This is what God has always abounded in. God in Himself was complete. He was whole. He was never without lack. We can't have a God who is love if He existed before creation without love. He is a triune God. He is three in one. He was so complete in and of Himself that He decided to create a world that He could share in that love and make His glory known. So God and His glory was pre-existent, but then what He does is He creates a world. And in that creation, the world was, if we go to the next slide, the world was in that place. The Father breathed into creation through His world a creation in which God is known and creation is whole. We are in that beginning place, Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the cool of the day. They were in a place in which God was known and the world was whole. And into that whole known space, he sends his prized creation. He sends his most precious possession, humanity. And he puts us into that creation that was known and whole. And he puts us into there and it goes really great for about three chapters. And then we do what we do best. I mean, God was love. He wants to share in that love. So he has to give us, he doesn't send into the world the opportunity, he doesn't send into the world badness, but he sends into the world the opportunity for badness. And what we do in our desire to be more than what God created us to be, which is to share in his glory and to be known by him, we, uh, we, we kind of, we, we, we do it, we sin. Um, And sin enters the world, and in that way, in that moment, it severs our relationship from God. And so in one fell sweep, 
sin enters and we are then lost. Our relationship with God is broken and we find ourselves lost, drifting at sea beyond our, our, our ability to find ourselves, beyond any ability for us to kind of get it all together. We find ourselves lost and without a tether. Our relationship with God is broken and more than that, all of creation begins to groan as the world is broken. Sin enters the world and the world that was known and whole becomes lost and broken. Lost and broken. And this sin doesn't just go to work on that initial creation. It begins to permeate everything. And it's not hard to see the world at large that the lostness and the brokenness, the state of the world as it is, is a direct reflection of that original idea that we can do more than what God intended. We can take upon ourselves the role of being God for ourselves. And we, in that pursuit, enter into a world and a realm that is lost and broken. Perhaps that's why you're here this morning. You're here because you know deep down in those deepest parts of yourself, maybe you are lost. That feeling that it's like, hey, I'm not where I am meant to. To be, maybe there is something more, or you're watching the news and there's war and there's famine and there's lack and there is abuse and there are so many horrible, just foul things going on, and you know at the deepest part of yourself that something is broken. Christianity doesn't ignore the fact that there is brokenness and lostness in the world. No, 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 we fully accept that this is the world in which we live. But God doesn't quit then. In fact, even at that moment when sin enters the world, God sends himself into the world and he asks the question, not what have you done, but he asks the question, where are you? Because God is a God who sends. But he doesn't quit on them in that moment. The lostness and the brokenness of the world begins to permeate everything. And when the time was right at the decided moment in history, God sends His Son. He sends Jesus into the world. Jesus comes into the world and as He begins to make His entrance in the world, He begins to preach about the kingdom of God. What does He say? He says, Behold, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom is this idea of the rightful rule and reign of God. His glory and His person once again establishing itself in the world. Jesus comes and he begins to say that, hey, look, that original intent of the God that made everything, it's breaking back in. Just like sin broke the world, God is breaking back in through the person and the work of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I, Jesus saying, I have come to bring the kingdom of God back into the world. The kingdom is establishing his glory and his his knowingness back into the world around us. And he does it in two primary ways. There are a thousand ways that Jesus begins to bring the kingdom of God and, and let the world know that the kingdom of God is at hand. But, you know, we've all seen, you know, there was that moment that we were young and it's like, you know, you've probably seen it. There's those two jars and, you know, the sand and the pebbles are in the jar and there's two giant rocks on the outside of the jar. And then like your teacher or, or a lecturer or, or whoever, maybe even Pastor Luke, uh, who tells this story all the time about, hey, you can actually get it all done. But anyway, 
you know, you see those two jars and one is like, it's full to the brim and you're like, there's no way. And then the teacher's like, did you, do you think you could fit these two giant rocks in? I'm like, no way. It's impossible. And then they put the two big rocks in and then they begin to pour around it. And then like to your tiny brain's amazement, you're like, it all fits. In the same way, Jesus comes and in a multitude of ways brings the kingdom. But there are two primary ways in which Jesus brings the kingdom of God back in. And it culminates in the cross. But the first way is Jesus, he comes into the world and he begins to tell that the kingdom of God has come near by the forgiveness of sins and the atonement of his sacrifice. Jesus comes and ultimately he dies and rises from the dead to firstly redeem the world so that he can save the lost. The first way Jesus comes and he begins to minister is he begins to save the lost. Begins to preach that there is a forgiveness, there is a way for you to be established back into the Father that you were always made to be. The debt that you have now is the debt that you could never pay, but I am willing to take it all upon myself so that you can be found. Jesus comes and he begins to preach a message that can save the lost, but he doesn't just come and, and, and just die and rise from the dead and give us our coupon into heaven. No, he does more than that because not only is the world lost, the world is broken. And so he comes. In Mark 10, he says this, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus comes to save the lost, but he also comes to serve the broken. But then he dips and he says these words to us in John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, he turns to his disciples and in turn all believers and he says, so I send you. So Jesus in turn turns around and now sends the church to go about the two primary ways to bring the kingdom of God into the world as it is. He comes saving the lost and serving the broken, and in turn he turns to us and he says, that in this, as the Father has sent me, I send you also. And Jesus sends all of his disciples to bring the kingdom of God, which again is God and God's glory, his rightful rule and reign, back into the world. And he, he, he sends the church. Now hear me really quickly. He, that way, he says, in this way, I send you. He's saying in the same manner, in the same way that the Father has sent me. Not for the same purpose. Jesus is not asking you for, to die for the sins of the world. He's just saying, in the same way that the Father has sent me out of my comfort zone and into the world to see his kingdom established, I send you too. And he sends the, the church out into the world, firstly, to use our words to preach the good news that there is forgiveness of sins available through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so he comes and he sends us to use our words to tell the story of a Jesus that saves a lost world so that we can be known again by God. But that's not all, because how many people know, that, and there was a major trend for a long period of time that it's like, well, you know, we love to quote Francis of Assisi that it's like, hey, go into all of the world, preaching the gospel, use words if necessary. And that's a fantastic thing to say if he had said it. But he never said it. Firstly, because he was part of a preaching order. And the only way that we would have known if he had said it is if he used words and used it in a 
message. But the second thing is, it's just not true at all. We are part of a preaching order, but, but there is this idea that, hey, there is more than just preaching. We don't want to just be people that are true in faith, just in words, but true in deeds as well. The two big Bible terms for this is gospel proclamation, the preaching of the word, but also gospel demonstration in that that we actually get out there and we begin to make the world the way that God would want the world to be. So what is the mission of God? It's to for us to go into all the world preaching the good news of the kingdom and establishing the rightful rule and reign of God in the way that we can serve the broken and see that Jesus continues to save the lost. But that's not it. That's not the end of our story. Otherwise, we just look like, oh, snap, I'm invited on mission. This has interrupted my world. He's just used a lot of words, but now this feels heavy. But that's not the end of the Bible story because we flick to the end of the Gospels and we are the end of the New Testament and we find ourselves in Revelation 21 verse 3 to 4 and it says this, that there is coming a day and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. There is then coming a time that God will restore all things, that God will make his glory known and the world whole. But he doesn't just send us into the meantime being like, hey, best of luck out there. He doesn't just send us. He also As the Father sends the Son, the Son goes up to heaven and sends with the Father the Spirit back into the church because He knows you won't be able to do this yourself. You want to establish the kingdom? You want to do what I called you to do? You can't do it without my breath in your lungs. So we require the Holy Spirit in order to see His kingdom established on the earth. Jürgen Moltmann, a Theologian, he says, it's not that the church has a mission of salvation to fulfill in the world. It is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church. Or to say it another way, it's not that the church, it's not that Christians have a mission. It's that God's mission has a church. And so we are, if we are to be partakers and participants of God's mission, we need to first and foremost understand that when God calls us to be on mission, He's not just giving us busy work to just keep our hands busy in the meantime. He's saying, there is a story that I have been about from the moment of creation. I want to fill the world with my glory by making myself known. And what I am asking you to do is not something that I would ever do, I would ever ask you to do without me. I am going to give you my spirit so that you can continue to do my work that I have been about from the dawn of time until the end of all things and the restoration of the world. See, we are participants of the mission of God, not initiators of a mission ourselves. 
And it's so important that we actually understand this when it comes to being about the mission of God because otherwise it can feel like this daunting task that we've just got to do, 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 do. And maybe, just maybe, we can please God with the amount of effort that we put into doing good things. But it's not just good things that He is asking us to do. No, He is asking us to use our words to see the lost saved and use our deeds to see the broken served. It's not just about doing good, holy-looking things. No, God has asked us to go into the world to save the lost and serve the broken. What is it that we are called to be about? We are called to see God's glory established in the world. But there is then coming a day in which He will bring it to its fullness. God Himself will come and make Himself known. He will make the world whole. And God's glory and knowledge of Him is once again in its totality established in the world. And what's crazy about this is this is God's mission, but we actually see that this is the grand story of Scripture. If we want to go to the next slide, if we want to sum up the entire Bible in, uh, in like five words, it would go like this if you want to throw it up. Firstly, we have creation. The world was created good. Then there was the fall in which we decided to take things into our own hands and that didn't go so good. And so God sends a redeemer in order to pay the debt, take upon himself the curse and the troubles and the woes and and, and the punishment that was deserving of our disobedience. He redeems the world and we see that in the redemption of Christ. Then there is a day in which there is the restoration of all things, but we as the church empowered by the Spirit live between the redemption and the restoration of all things. We live in this period in which God sends us. There's this great moment in, in the light of Holtzman when you know, they, they're there and they're you know, going about it and there's this call that comes out that it's like, hey, the cavalry are coming, the cavalry are coming, the cavalry are coming. And there's this idea that from outside of this defeated force, there is coming this group of people that are just going to make everything great. And it's just like the cavalry's coming. Friends, I've got really, really, really bad news. The cavalry's not coming. We're what God chose to co-labor with Him to bring His kingdom back into the world. And so we live between these two points of God's great big story. And that is the mission of God, to fill the earth with His glory by making Himself known. And He chooses to send us. This is the mission. This is what God invites us and empowers us to do in the time that we have on this earth. And it's about this point when we start talking about mission that somebody will invariably say, Well, Ryan, I'm just, I, that's great, but I'm not really an evangelist. You know, I'm not like, that's awesome, but I'm not an evangelist. And you know what? You're probably right. And that's fine. Even Paul himself, all through Ephesians, asserts the fact that there is a gift to the church given to us, one of the five ascension gifts of evangelists. People that are just so gifted in the way of bringing the good news of God and using their worlds, that gospel proclamation to see people saved. But that's not what Jesus has asked us to do. He didn't say, as God has sent me as an evangelist, I send you as an evangelist. No, 
This is, this, is, this is the fact. And we love to say, well, that's not my gift set. It's not my personality. It's not what I'm about. It's not who I am. I would love to be about it, but it's not really my makeup. Friends, this is the truth of the mission of God. Not everyone is an evangelist, but everyone is sent. Not everyone is an evangelist, but everyone is sent. And we have to discover This is why it's so important to actually understand what is the mission of God. Because if it's just gospel proclamation, we can put up a wall and say, well, that's not really me. But we aren't just called to use words. We are called to give the good news of the kingdom with our words, but also the demonstration of the kingdom with our hands. And in that way, we partner with Jesus in making God and God's glory known in the earth. And so this is the question then. If not everyone is an evangelist, but everyone is sent, how do we live sent? Right? That's the, that's the question of this whole thing. And this is where we come to really what I was only meant to be talking about to you today. Dad's away. Um, but this is where we come to the idea of bless. And what we have... Uh, What we've worked on together is five habits, five habits for learning to live sent. And what we've done is we've really been specific in the idea of like, hey, look, these are five habits. This isn't a five-step program to see your friends saved. This isn't a five-part evangelistic, uh, you know, initiative that we're rolling out. We are saying, if not everyone is an evangelist, but everyone is sent, there is a sent Way There is a sent posture for every believer to live so that we can embody the idea that we are participants of the mission of Jesus in seeing God's glory known on the earth. And so these, the reason that we've called these five habits is because these are just five disciplines, five things that you can uh, really embody in your life in such a way that postures yourself to say, okay, God, I know what you're about. I want you to show me what you're doing so that I can be part of it too. Five habits, five disciplines. And again, this is not a matter of, hey, we now want you to get busy. You know, you're, you're here and you're like, hey, can I just finish my coffee? I don't want you to be disruptive to my thing. You know, I get it. What I want you to hear as we begin to roll these out for the next five weeks is this is not more activity for you to add into your life. The high likelihood is you are already doing these things. And what if, what if we could just reframe what we are already doing To view them as disciplines and habits and rhythms to our lives that actually posture and position ourselves to say, whilst I was already doing this of my own accord, God, would you help me see these as routines, rhythms, disciplines that I am partaking, participating in what you are doing on the earth. This is not a program. This is really a way of living, an invitation to build these into your life. James Clear, who wrote Atomic Habits, he said it like this, that habits are the invisible architecture of daily life. If we want to be people who live sent, we need to actually form our lives around some things that posture ourselves to be sent. Habits are the invisible architecture of daily lives. We all know this. We are shaped and reshaped by what we repetitively do. Imagine for a second... That um, for the month of July, you know, first Sunday of the new financial year, phew, what a rush. Anybody else was just so jazzed to know? 
weird. Um, but imagine with me for a second, you know, just somebody comes in your life, they kick down the door of, you know, what's comfortable for you, and they're like, hey, we're going to be about dental hygiene. And you're like, I've never heard of this before. I've heard of it. I just didn't know what to do. And so then you are like, well, snap, okay, let's give this a go. You pick up a toothbrush, some floss. You brush your teeth and you floss for the duration of the five weeks that we talk about it because it's like, hey, it's time to be about, I want to live dental hygiene. So you pick them up, you add these into your life, you get busy, you, bl- you, you, you brush your teeth, you floss five times a day because it's like, hey, we're talking about it at the moment. Next Sunday, I'm going to get up and somebody's going to talk about the fact that we need to be about dental hygiene again. So I do it for the five weeks that they're talking about it and then I lay it down and it comes you know, to next July. But the only time you really did anything about dental hygiene was for the month of last July. And it's been 12 months since you last thought about or did anything to do with dental hygiene. No one around you would ever think, after talking with you from a distance, (laughs) this guy, this guy is living dental hygiene. Because how many people know... The effects of our habits are only produced over time. They form us and they reform us. They shape us. What we repetitively do begins to have an effect on the kind of person that we are. And so by looking at these five disciplines, these five habits, what I don't want you to do is get busy picking them up for the month of July and then wait until the next series on mission before you start to think about them again because otherwise no one is going to be looking at you. No one is going to inspect your life and be like, wow, this person is living scent. Do you remember last year how busy they got? It's just not the way that this works. And so these are five habits, an invitation to adopt five rhythms into your life in order to live sin. And so the five habits, and we have just straight ripped this off, Pastor Dave Ferguson and his blessed series. We've also kind of butchered uh, Michael Frost with his book, Surprise the World and the Bells Method. Uh, And so uh, that's the caveat. But here is our series And it's called Bless. Um, We did a lot of hard work in copying it completely. (laughs) Five habits. Five habits. And if we want to throw them out, these are the five habits, five disciplines that you can build into your life. And again, you're probably already doing these things. It's a matter of reframing these five things in order to live with a posture of, hey God, I want to be participating in your mission in the world. These are the five habits. Firstly, begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Learn to listen. Listen to the people around you. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Eat with people. Serve people. Be available to be a blessing to people around you. Serve them. And lastly, share. Share your world. Share your story. Share the gospel. Share your life with other people. These are five rhythms, five habits for living sin. And in the last couple of minutes, I want to close with the idea of beginning with prayer. Begin with prayer. 
Well, as I said before, uh, the idea of living sent is that we are aligning ourselves with the mission of God. This is God's mission. It is not ours. God has invited us. Jesus has sent us. And in that way, we are partnering with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that He is already doing. And what prayer does is prayer aligns our heart to the heart of God. Prayer has this incredible way of when you spend time with God, you begin to hear His his heart, you begin to see what it is that He's about in the world. And he, He has this incredible way of when we place ourselves before Him, His grace goes to work in our hearts and begins to transform us and begins to align our hearts with His heart. And the question that you probably are asking right now is, why is it not just pray? Because we need it to be. Um... That's really it. Um, uh, But begin with prayer. No, to be honest, we could have almost just called this begin. Just learn to begin. Learn to place yourself in a position with God on a daily, perhaps a weekly. Perhaps you've never done this. Just try it one time. Perhaps you do this weekly. Make it daily. Perhaps you're doing it daily. Make it more regular. Whatever it is that you do, just take a moment to stop and not just bring a laundry list of favors that God can do for you, but actually just stop and pray the way that Jesus invites us to pray. Father in heaven, you're so holy. Your kingdom, your rule and reign, your knowledge and glory on earth as it is in heaven. That prayer alone aligns us to the understanding that God is already on mission. There is this incredible thing that happens when you pray, God, your kingdom come. We also at that same time have to pray, God, my kingdom go. This idea of God, I'm going to get out of my own way and I'm going to allow you to lead me. God, would you help me to take my eyes of trying to create something great for myself and would you help me see, God, what it is that you are already doing? Growing up, my dad uh, loved fishing. And, uh, you know, he would, he would constantly be talking about fishing. You've heard him. He loves it. But imagine with me for a second that my dad is like, hey, I love fishing, love going fishing with my sons. I love doing the thing. I love fishing. It's what I'm about. I love to do it. And so I hear, wow, my dad loves fishing. And so I get up super early in the morning. It's like 4 a.m. Kind of tiptoe out of the house, making sure to wake no one up. Jump in the car, go down, find a quiet spot, catch a bunch of fish like I always do come back with just two heavy buckets under the limit but they were big fish and I come back kick open the door and I say dad I know how much you love fishing I know how much you love to do what it is that you do and so I just went out went ahead did it for you drop the bucket A lot of us, when we hear this idea of, hey, we've got to go and be on mission, we have this crushing 
feeling of, of, well, I want to go and do great things for God. I know what it is that He loves. I know what He's about. I know the, all the kinds of things that He loves to do. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it. I grew up in a time that everybody would get up every Friday night and they would preach, hey, go save your school, go save your school, go save your school, go save your school. And I woke up every day being like, I'm going to do something great for God. But there came a time as I began to mature that I realized that God's less interested in me doing great things for Him and more interested in doing His work with me. And prayer, beginning with prayer, stops us from running out and burning ourselves, wearing ourselves to the bone to do great things for God, forgetting that He's interested in doing His work with us. Jesus says to His disciples as they... They question what it is that he's doing. And he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. How many of us go racing off to do all kinds of things without ever stopping to ask God what it is that you're doing that I can be part of too? If you're here and you're wondering, hey, look, I want to live sin. I want to be part of it. What, what do I do? I don't know how to, how to kind of get started with this. Can I, can, I just, can I give you a cheat sheet of a prayer? Find some time over the next couple of weeks, over the next couple of days, over the next couple of hours, find some time before you go racing off to work, to do, to live, to be, to do all that life requires you to do before you do any of that. Find some rhythm, find some part of your day, find some part of your week to simply just stop and pray this this prayer. This is just a cheat sheet of a prayer. Just pray this, Father, show me what you're doing and give me the courage to do it too. Father, show me what you are doing in the lives of the people around me, in the lives of the people that are hurting, in the hearts of people that are lost. God, what is it that you are doing and give me the courage give me the strength Father give me eyes to see, ears to hear what it is that you are doing so that I can be part of it as well friends if we are going to be part of the mission of God we need to learn to regularly stop and say God what are you doing And help me do it to John 20, verse 21 and 22. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. Don't freak out. I got this. I'm here. I'm with you. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If we want to live sent, we have to be people of the Holy Spirit. We have to be people who regularly take a moment to simply stop and receive what it is 
Uh, the power of God, the breath of God, the, the empowering spirit of God. We need to place ourselves and say, God, I want to be part of what it is that you're doing in the earth, but I can't do it myself. If I want to do what you're doing, I need you to do it in me.